21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Well, I could start with a way of thinking that is probably similar to your way of thinking, that no matter how big or small or your, or your specific organization is, you need to always be aware of the potential dangers not only from outside but if i understood you well insiders can pose when moving to cloud-based uh, platforms solutions yeah employees uh, people think security is an external problem but the uh, reality is 80 90 percent of all uh, incidences occur because of human error which are mostly internal Uh, and uh, understanding what your employees are doing is uh, priority number one in this and remote world. Um, secondly, uh, the way to think about cybersecurity is, I, and I did listen a little bit to a cybersecurity episode you had in the recent past with the other guests, um, where you guys talked a lot about, like the guest was talking about um, how much money we're spending and we're having more breaches and more, uh, like it's, it's a joke. So he was making fun of the industry in many ways. Um, so I come from, um, I was a programmer before, but I come from uh, trading bonds uh, on Wall Street. So I used to work at Barclays, PropDesk, uh, a couple of very uh, prominent hedge funds. Um, so when we think about risk, um, I, I don't require it from a zero or one, are you protected or not protected, which is kind of the wrong approach from cybersecurity. Uh, cybersecurity needs to be treated as looking at financial instruments, how you trade equities, bonds, uh, capital markets, how risk is being computed, where... Uh, yes, uh, in in a in 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 a stable state, this stock will go up, but there are always risks which you need to hedge for. So, in terms of having resiliency around your uh, uh, tech stack uh, and your posture, uh, by reducing the amount of exposure when uh, an attack does happen, so you have to assume something will happen, and then what is your exposure when that happens? And our approach around cybersecurity and data security is around reducing that exposure radius. Uh, and by making your employees to be responsible data citizens. So one thing which would be outside of my my uh, selfish reasons of selling my product or anything, I forget that for a second, I think just for people to understand some very simple things they can do today in their lives and their businesses to make themselves secure. Uh, and uh, it, it does not have a lot of like tooling. I like the responsible data citizens, by, by the way, that could be the episode headline. Can you immerse a little bit more into that topic before we go to your other topics, uh, uh, such as tips on how to prevent data breaches within remote teams? Yeah, so What's, what's ended up happening is uh, you used to be think of yourself uh, back in the medieval days when you were sitting in a in a castle with a wall around your uh, city. And then you would basically have these walls higher and higher and multiple layers. You would have guards sitting outside of them uh, when no one can come in and it was all about defense. But inside the inside these walls um, you have an amazing life and when uh, they get playing around and villages and livestock and people are happy and they're raising farms and all that. 
um, what uh, this is what pre-cloud uh, enterprise stack looked like for organizations. Uh, I would sit in my walls. The only outside uh, link uh, to the world used to be an email. I would send an email out and, and receive an email and that's it. Uh, as organizations have moved to the cloud, uh, that concept around a walled city has become murky, where walls has a lot of holes in them, gates in them, transactions needs to come in and go, uh, your employees can go outside, sell some stuff or directly themselves, there's not a middleman in the middle, people from the outside can come in, sell services inside. Uh, this is, think of them as uh, cloud applications and cloud resources. Uh, where you are basically opening up uh, that whole concept of a wall city into a mode of like a, like a interconnected ecosystem where you're just one metropolis center and a bunch of them other ones are connected to them through trade routes and communication channels um, and, and just uh, kind of uh, uh, inter-exchange of goods and services. So when you think about this migration which has happened to the cloud in a big way, um, you had the servers, first of all, which moved to large enterprises. Uh, and then a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs and last uh, the, the advent of AWS, kind of how they took over cloud uh, workflows. So a lot of companies are formed in the last eight years around that time. Uh, and what's happened now is the uh, explosion in the usage is outside of this cloud. Now, rather than using Excel on your desktop, you're going to use Excel online. So everything is moved to cloud uh, third-party software. And what is that has opened up is organizations who used to have a lot of control over which files employees can look at, who did it with. Uh, I can even monitor my email tra going out so I can stop the traffic if there's some sensitive data within them. Uh, that control is no longer there for organizations. Uh, when people are able to share files as links, uh, multiple people can collaborate, both internal and external. Uh, you can have uh, people sending messages to both internal people. People, so a lot of data is found around. These, these tools have made it very easy for us to do over-communicate than what we used to do before. We used to work in a silo and then send an email and okay, we were done. Now, constantly we're chatting and then Zooming and this and that. So just the way the work has evolved, has made collaboration as a centerpiece of all the cloud applications. But everything is collaborative. Um, and now if you ask any business owner, any manager in organizations, you know what your employees are doing over these cloud uh, applications. How are they using it? What kind of customer data is being shared on them? There's zero visibility into that. And let alone have any uh, tooling to be able to prevent uh, untowards behavior. Um, so this is kind of where uh, we uh, came in uh, with a solution which uh, seeks to solve that problem by not only getting a handle around uh, what is flushing around in your environments, who's sharing what internally, externally, uh, be able to create some controls to stop those things from happening if, if you want them to stop from happening. And then more importantly, uh, training your employees to basically be good data citizens, as we are discussing, in terms of if you are sharing a file, having customer data with an external person uh, as a public link uh, for a business which could have maybe not needed to share all this data, maybe that's not the same thing. Maybe I, I would want to nudge you. So using some behavioral techniques where 
um, as you train a dog, uh, if they do something wrong, you train them right away in terms of slap them or whatever needs to happen to usually the dog will not do it again. The same thing happens in every kind of behavioral techniques around uh, nudging them as the event happens. Uh, that's one way for us to be able to achieve higher um, efficacy on training employees. Uh, so rather than having these infosec trainings, which are usually quarterly or annually, we want to be in time in sync with the employees and where they're doing their work and be prompted over there to not do X and not do Y. The end is of all these different dials, all these different nudges and all these different reporting providers, we just want to reduce the amount of sensitive data exposure over these third-party SaaS platforms. So if you do get breached, if a customer does make a mistake and click on the link and someone does get inside your uh, network, the amount of sensitive data is uh, they can take away is is less uh, than they would be need to. Uh, that uh, we're not saying this will prevent things from happening. We're always saying is if it do happen, uh, then be a much uh, reduced severity and impact to the organization. Folks can go to our website, www.polymerhq.io. We have multiple ways of people to try out the product and get an understanding of their environment. One is uh, we offer a free risk card, where with a couple of clicks, uh, or if you don't want to do the clicks yourself, you can set up a call. Uh, it takes about uh, two minutes to onboard the system into your environment. Uh, we go through some security checks, um, uh, make sure that uh, that you're qualified, but typically it's uh, uh, two clicks to uh, get started with the platform uh, over Slack, Google Drive, GitHub, some of the more common SaaS platforms, Jira, OneDrive, and so on and so forth. And uh, basically, uh, the platform will send you uh, initially an assessment report uh, within a few hours to tell you these are the risks in your environment. Uh, and then if you decide to kind of move forward, this is a free service. So you can call us, uh, we can set it up uh, for a more in-depth uh, risk and an audit for your environment in terms of these are the employees who are the most risky, this are the risky pile shares going on with sensitive data, um, and give you some sort of uh, historic three-month history in terms of what has happened to give you uh, some idea of what the risks are. Um, but if you decide to use the product again, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a premium uh, version, so for small organizations, they can continue using the free product. Uh, they can uh, get trained on them. Uh, the product is fairly easy to use. Uh, but basically, uh, it's a no-code data loss prevention solution uh, where uh, we can create policies around what is considered to be sensitive for your organization. So every organization uh, might, uh, some organization might be concerned about credit card data, patient data, for example, versus other organizations who might be more concerned about uh, AWS secrets or cloud secrets. Uh, and they want to make sure that there's no cloud secrets or customer data sitting over their SaaS, uh, Slack channel, for example, or any public Slack channel. Or they want to basically have a sense of if there's any secrets or customer data found in the GitHub environment, uh, it's code based. So our platform is continuously monitoring in the background um, and uh, reporting uh, in terms of what are the risks happening. So you can come to our dashboard. We also allow some more analytic reportings over Tableau 
uh, we can kind of visualize some uh, very high intent uh, events. Uh, the insights we provide is even if you don't do full remediation, we ask uh, is uh, which users have the most amount of PII uh, in their in their folders? Who are the users who are sharing public files versus restricted files? Who are the riskiest users? We are risk scoring your employees after a few days of going live over your platform. Um, and then if you decide to, you can have a high remediation mode switched on. Um, typically what that would mean is you can create rules saying, if an employee shares a file having sensitive data, I want that link to expire after 10 days or 20 days or 30 days. Um, I want all the old files which are shared for the last five, 10 years with people I don't even work with anymore. Can I go ahead and delete those links? Because that's a data security exposure point for me. I don't need it. I have all this chatter from my employees and my contractors over my Slack environment, uh, which has sensitive data tagged uh, of them. And I want to basically redact those information. So we can actually go in and redact messages in, in real time or historically. Uh, we can even redact PDFs, images, uh, Microsoft files, so on and so forth. Uh, in GitHub, we can even stop core pieces from being committed. So we have multiple dials for specific platforms which can then automate a lot of this work. So the one person, IT person doesn't have to do it. Uh, it can be done automatically. And if it's a bigger team, um, it's even it's even more useful because uh, we don't want them looking at just violations. We want to just highlight the highest risk prescriptive items they need to look at uh, rather than going through each and every event and go through this list of events, which kind of can become very large over large um, enterprises. How did you solve the GDPR issue of for those freemium versions? So typically uh, for for uh, across, for US, it's a hosted solution for free users, but for every um, paying customer, we uh, essentially are doing just single tenant environments and enterprise grade installation. So we have a separate uh, install uh, spun up. Uh, most of our customers are in the US. The few who are outside the U.S. Uh, have a dedicated server which is housed in an AWS uh, region uh, within Europe or some of the places. So we we try to stay within the geographic environments uh, since we are fairly uh, deployable. Uh, I mean, we've done on-prem installs also for very large enterprises, but um, AWS is the service we use so we can deploy it in multiple regions. What is your business model? How do you make money? You know, the business model is obviously... Uh, uh, we want to kind of like uh, show value in terms of how much usage there is. Uh, when we thought about uh, uh, usage by uh, amount of data, uh, we realized that it's going to be very uh, confusing to explain to the buyer. So it, it might be the right answer, um, but it's not necessarily the answer we went with. Uh, we went with a very simple model, which is less accurate, but easy to explain uh, from a sales angle. Uh, per user per month over a given SaaS platform. So our usage is anywhere between $3 to $5 uh, per user per month. Let's say if you have 100 uh, people in your Slack channel or your Slack uh, system, then uh, you can do 100 times uh, the dollar price uh, times 12 will be the annual cost. How did you develop? the solution i mean you are you are writing about ai and machine learning as well so that's that's the part of the solution if i if i understood it well was it a small startup few of you guys if you can tell us 
a short story. Um, no, so I had uh, I had done I was I was uh, like uh, after my career in Wall Street I was running my own consulting business and I had done um, I had implemented a GDPR project at Deutsche Bank uh, for uh, in the US. Uh, when GDPR first came in, and I was part, I've, I've been part of a lot of data warehouse solutions um, in the past in terms of data architecture for banks and financial uh, insurance companies. And uh, this product basically started off uh, as a very simple uh, project, uh, which I was working on the side while doing consulting. Around. Um, uh, providing uh, a map of all your data assets across your enterprise. And that's how it uh, was the V1 of the product. Uh, and, then, and then COVID hit uh, right around that. Uh, and uh, we had a little bit of funding, but not much. So I was self-funding it for the longest time. And then the usage, the feedback from the market was a forcing function to pivot into a more security product uh, because we had the data. So um, this, uh, if you have the right analytics, um, uh, solving a problem, whether it's something around data to analytics, just marketing or information security, all those things are very fungible. As long as you have a good foundation around how you're connecting and analyzing the data. Uh, which is a lesson learned, by the way, uh, and I would usually encourage that. Um, and information security was just a, um, was just a mechanism for us to deliver uh, the solution. Um, obviously, we had to think through in terms of from a buyer journey. Uh, security officers are different buyers than IT directors, um, and uh, what are the pain points around them? And then how do you fit in with the rest of the ecosystem or information security products out there? So the biggest uh, challenge in terms of from uh, initial uh, development side was uh, it was easy enough for us to say we're going to block the messages from going on your Slack channel at all. Uh, but that was kind of what other companies somewhat were trying to do already. We thought that's less interesting because that adds to the friction of how your employees use the use their native solution. So they're using Google Drive or Bitbucket or one or Teams, for example. We don't want to be a nuisance in the middle of stopping things from happening. We want it to be a gentle nudge. Uh, at the same time, uh, not increase the work of the infosec and the compliance and data governance. So that's how it started in terms of thinking too deeply around each and every integration. So we feel uh, that uh, then the one lens we do apply to every decision on the roadmap is, does that add friction for the end user, the employee, as well as the information security buyer we, we, we are dealing with uh, around managing the risk of this. So uh, the whole thing is around, that's why um, risk coding and some of the more um, uh, uh, kind of uh, fully filtered out scriptive remediations or auto remediations that we have applied. Um, I think it's, so AI ML for us, a lot of it has been around uh, NLP um, and around making sure we are accurate in terms of detecting sensitive data. We can leverage some open source tools, uh, build some of the models ourselves. And, and the, 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 that's a piece which we completely like 
constantly doing a bunch of R&D. The rest has been more around pipelining uh, and making sure it's an, uh, it's a low throughput, uh, high throughput, uh, low latency solution, which does not create delays for the end user. And in the process, uh, what's your biggest challenge at the moment? Uh, finding new employees, uh, creating a specific project management technique? Uh, so, I mean, we, we have seed stage companies. So at a seed stage company, I am um, uh, sometimes I'm doing the janitor's work and other times I'm literally cleaning up files uh, to do, uh, do a report on. So, so you have to wear many hats. I mean, we are a 16-strong company now, uh, full-time 16 employees. Uh, and uh, um, so de- definitely uh, the product is kind of where the focus is that sales, uh, the, the two main areas I focus on, uh, more so on sales than some product. And uh, the the challenge really is, uh, to be honest, uh, this is an area which is, uh, uh, we've seen a, a, a riptide happen. So there is a lot of interest uh, coming in, uh, both from the market itself, because the use case are there and there are not many solutions solving the problem especially the way we do it uh so it's uh, but then also for partners uh, the the data context in terms of what we're providing uh we are working with some very very large uh, other security companies and in, in injecting our intelligence into other products in terms of what customer for example is looking at our violations and then they're looking at some of the login failing attempts and saying if this guy is downloading a lot of files here on their OneDrive, for example, and this guy and there was some failed login attempt which happened, is there some sort of uh, malfeasance going on? Is that a hacker inside? Uh, so we have a lot of like uh, kind of off-secret projects on the side going on with other vendors uh, to be able to deliver those to the customer. So the one of the challenges is around uh, prioritizing. Uh, what do you prioritize? What bets do you want to make? It's a small team. Um, anything you bet might not see results for the next three to six months, and where do you want to allocate resources? So um, you can go wide, it's something to be built a new integration, or do we just go deeper into what we already have? Uh, so that's a piece which is obviously all constantly kind of learning and uh, shopping with us a lot. Yasin in five years, Polymer in five years. Polymer in five years? I mean, we want to take it to IPO. I think it's a problem, which is uh, with Rod Sprawl, multiple billion dollar companies out there in the marketplace, no doubt, and we want to be one of them. Um, And I want to be, you know, here, if not a CEO, whatever role I made, doesn't matter. Like, I want to uh, continue delivering Bali. What we've noticed on the ground is 78% of your employees, and sometimes even less, are responsible for the 80% of risky behavior over SaaS platform. Um, and you basically are able to train them or nudge them into doing best practices. Immediately, your risk of data exposure in your environments go down by literally like 60% within two weeks. And quantitatively, we can show you in terms of how that's happening. And, and that, that is the one of the reasons why nudging and uh, triangulating the information security training with any cybersecurity solution needs to be there. And we have built it to our platform to be able to do that. Um, 
In terms of the other component around risk, uh, when you when you think about it, another way to explain is the following: um, uh, I can be an owner in, let's say, the stock of Microsoft, and I feel the Microsoft will be at a very high level, uh, double from where it is right now in five years time. I buy the stock, uh, but then uh, at the end of day, I need to kind of mark the position based on where the stock price is. So I need to kind of mark the market my position every day. Um, if I'm a hedge fund where I need to report to my investors my risk every every day, um, I basically do a hedge. I buy Microsoft and sell Facebook to say, okay, if, uh, even if both go down, Microsoft will go down less. Both go up, Microsoft will go up higher than the next five years. So that's kind of a simple hedging strategy or risk mitigation strategy which happens to reduce your overall exposure to the market. When you think about uh, risk uh, mitigation for a data loss prevention software like ours, one uh, heuristic I can give you to explain that concept, which for some people are specific, is if I have a file um, which has sitting out there in a folder uh, shared as a public link, I shared it with one window, which I shared it with you, for example, uh, a market, and you you basically took that file and shared it with hundreds of other people. And, uh, and, my, uh, and as a company, the original file was shared with one person. So suddenly the exposure is much, much higher on this file wearing it to the wrong hands. You might say that file might not contain anything sensitive, but it might. And that's a piece where uh, for us to go in, the machine to go in and automatically downgrade that link to say, okay, it needs to be restricted or close off that link after 30 days. So a couple of years from now, the 100 people who have access to this file cannot access it. Or if they get breached, they don't have access. The breacher does not have access to this file. So certainly what you've done is you risk mitigate that even the event or something happening, the exposure is less of your data. So that risk exposure piece is a core construct uh, of how Polymer thinks about um, making the organization more resilient. So it's all about resiliency. You cannot protect yourself 100% for any attack, any exposure things will happen. Uh, but we want to minimize the exposure and that has real donor consequences also. Uh, you have cyber insurance, for example. Uh, sometimes get tied to in terms of um, uh, how much ex uh, uh, the data was exposed. Some of the government and regulatory fines is dependent on how much customer data was exposed. And if you're able to demonstrate that only really a limited amount was, your file will be much less. Uh, and then what you need to report to your customers who are affected by it. And that's a big component of it. Where in the example of the Uber CISO, who has been recently found guilty, and we don't have to get into who's right, who's wrong with that. Um, the, the fact that the main argument by the jury they decided on was uh, it was not uh, reported out uh, uh, to the, uh, the relevant authorities that there was a breach that occurred and, and the extent of it. Uh, in most of the cases, if a breach has happened, the extent of it is something in a lot of companies themselves don't know how much data what, what, what was there. So having a handle on all those things is super important to building a resilient organization around uh, just best practices and building data citizens. Uh, go to our website, www.polymerhq.io Or you can email me at yali.polymerhq.io also. Um, learn about a company if you have any questions uh, or try the product out for free, go for it or uh, someone can contact you to set up a more custom call and understand your needs and see if we can help. Or at least give you guide you.
on best practices for data governance. We do that. We are a very consultative company, so happy to help out where we can. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.